Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Leon Young. Leon is founder and CEO of Cognus. Welcome to the podcast, Leon. Hi, Jono. It's great to be here. First of all, for our listeners, can you tell everyone a little bit about what you do at Cognus? Yeah, so Cognus is a no-code platform for building what we call human transformation technology. So for those who aren't familiar with those terms, no-code refers to the idea that it's a software development platform designed for people who are not programmers um, that enables anyone to build, build apps, mobile, in our case, native mobile apps and web apps and broader digital solutions for the purposes of what we call human transformation. And what we mean by that is apps that use applied neuropsychology to drive positive outcomes in people's lives. And the the simple way I normally explain it is if you think about in the App Store last year, in the Apple App Store, there were 325,000 apps published. 25% of those sat in the areas of health, lifestyle and education but only a very small percentage of those apps work. And and when you think about the apps that are successful, whether it's sort of Headspace for mindfulness or Duolingo for language learning, maybe Noom for weight loss or Peak for brain training, the reason those apps are, are really successful when so many apps just sink and fail is because the people who have designed those know how to use neuropsychology to get you to do some positive thing that you're interested in, but perhaps aren't motivated sufficiently to do on your own. So they get you to do those behaviors, basically rewire your brain so that those things become part of your life. And they do that often through hyper-personalization, recognizing that, that, that different people are motivated by different things. So my team comes from a long background of building those things on a custom basis. And a few years ago, we started building this no-code platform where we were, we were taking all of the design expertise and all of the technical stack and basically putting those two things together. So our aim is to create a platform that's as simple as something like Canva is for design but allows anyone to build a potentially really effective app for health, lifestyle, or education. Yeah, that's a great summary and really exciting uh, product. I can see why you love what you do. Now, uh, it would be great to find out a bit more about you and your journey, Leon. So even as far back as growing up, you know, uh, Mm. uh, childhood, what are some of those moments that really shaped you to become the person and the leader you are today? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing for me that I that I reflect on a bit because there's those things that happen when you're growing up that you're kind of aware of as putting you onto a particular path. And then there might be other things that you don't recognize at the time, but you, you kind of recognize in hindsight. And with hindsight, one of the things that, that probably really directed my life is the fact that I'm ADHD. And I didn't know that. And in fact, I didn't know that until I started working with neuroscientists and a few of them made observations and I went off and did a test. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I always, I was one of those kids. So ADHD, 
you know, there's a lot of cliches around it. And I, I, like a lot of people, I wasn't diagnosed as a child because I wasn't outwardly hyperactive. But I had that combi- there's this combination of two things there that, that were very strong for me. One is short attention span when doing uh, things that you're not that interested in. And then hyper concentration yep. when you do things that you are interested in, and 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 mm. blocking out the entire world when you find something that you're passionate about. So I had this struggle as I was going into high school, where in primary school I'd been, you know, a bright kid. I hadn't had to try very hard, and I hit that typical wall where I needed to do a bit of work, and really had problems with the way the education system worked and it wasn't quite fitting for me, but this was in the early to mid eighties. And it was the same time as the home computer boom. I was very lucky. I was in a high school that had received an early grant, uh, a massive grant at the time to uh, buy a multi-user mini computer. And we had access to that out of hours. So um, I found my passion through that. And, you know, I, I, I found that I had this kind of, you know, savant-like almost ability to code without anyone teaching me how to do it. And so that was kind of my passion. And that's what pulled me into technology at the same time that I was, you know, struggling with ordinary things at school. I had this thing that I was really, really good at. And so I'm so thankful that I had that because, you know, it could have been much more difficult for me if I, if I hadn't had that thing to hang on to. And I also came from a family where everyone had had their own businesses. Both my, you know, my, my dad was a small town lawyer. My mum owned the local bookshop. Um, both of my grandfathers and one of my grandmothers had had their own businesses. And I never had a mindset where I thought about getting a job one day. It just didn't occur to me. And so when I was about 14 and I was finding that I was, you know, really enjoying programming and good at it, and I was starting to make, uh, you know, lots of games for, for, a popular home computer of the day. I started, as quite a few teenagers did around that time, my own publishing business and very quickly started publishing games for lots of developers. And that kind of just pushed me onto a path. Um, so in a way, I was never uh, likely to spend a lot of time as an employee in my life. I think if you added it all up, it's been five or five and a half years. I'm 52 now. Um, and the rest of my life, I've always been running running my own businesses. And I think that was driven partly by the fact of being neuroatypical, um, probably not fitting into boxes, but also having this ability to see things that I think other people didn't always see and see what was coming and, and, and be able to jump onto that, that new and exciting thing. Hmm. What an amazing journey, and I really appreciate you sharing about ADHD and uh, I'm sharing about uh, how, I guess, uh, one thing that you mentioned that really resonates with me is what you said about running your own um, business, and, and I feel the same way that um, there's something about whenever I've worked for someone else, in, in hindsight, now that uh, you know I'm, I'm a little bit older than I was then, I look back and I think, you know what, I just, I never quite fit, I always... I feel so comfortable yeah. running my own business, but I, I look back and I think, oh, for me, it was just something that I never, yeah, I guess I never quite fit and felt really at home working for someone else, like I was achieving my full potential. I don't know if that resonates with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, it, you know, when I was in that position, I, I would just be seeing things that I wanted to do, 
you know, that, yes. that excited me more than being the part of someone else's machine. Having said that, you know, spending time in other people's businesses uh, is really, really valuable. You know, a lot of the challenges that I had coming straight out of high school at that point, I was running a, a PC importing business and boarding uh, computers from Asia was there was mm. no this was all pre-internet there was no book or no mentorship or no one around to tell me <laughs> what i needed to know so i just learned things the hard way um mm-hmm. and you know later on when i did have chances when you to work in other people's businesses i often saw obvious things that i you know, just didn't know about and never thought of so so that there is definite uh you know value i think for people who want to be entrepreneurs in in taking the time to work with other people who are further down that track. But I think the real value is if I had my time over is to be really strategic about where you go and work, pick the places that you think you can learn the skills that are going to be useful for the thing that you want to do. Me too. I think the other, the other thing I'd encourage, if I look back at, at my career, one of my favorite, um, favorite opportunities I had was working with a, a group that it started in Brisbane, but now is around Australia and New Zealand and expanding to Asia called the urban list. And, um, they, the urban list, uh, curates lists of, you know, the best places to eat and drink and art and fantastic business. But I got to work very closely with the entrepreneur and founder, Susanna George, who is an amazing leader. And really, to be honest, I stumbled into that, but in hindsight, Mm. that was one of, that was one of the highlights for me so far, particularly working for someone else, because I just got to see how, I think more than anything, it was learning how she thought. And I always felt every day, one of the things that really struck me about her is I would spend an hour with her and I'd walk out and then I'd look at the next person going in to spend time with her about another part of the business. And I think, how does she do that all day? She was so, Mm. I always felt like she was always a step ahead of me as like and challenging me and and i i just found for that as an entrepreneur that really that really challenged me and so i would agree if you can find the right skill set that you can grow but also the right leader if there's someone that you can get Mm. and work closely with who's a great leader or thinks very differently that that can Mm. be so powerful yeah and that that thinks very differently you know if i had my time over again that's that's something i would probably look for because what we tend to do in in life is you know like attracts like and and i had good experiences working for other people but they were probably people who already had a very similar worldview and mindset to me in the beginning Mm, um yes but mind you of course getting in with with someone who sees the world in a very different way to you um could be quite a quite a challenging thing to try and win that role in the first place (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so what about, um, well, I want to come back to the ADHD just because I think mm. it's, uh, so I've got some really uh, close friends who are really smart, wonderful entrepreneurs, actually, um, who have uh, one, one in particular who I think, I think he's pretty much always known his, his uh, parents are, are medical. And so he's always kind of known he had ADHD, mm. but I've, um, I've really been trying to learn and understand it more as a, uh, as a friend, but also as someone who works with him. So can you, um, if you don't mind chatting a little bit about this, because I know there'll be people mm. listening who might be thinking, huh, I wonder if I, or I wonder if someone in my team or someone in my life might have that. So can you tell us mm. a little bit about the journey for you of 
once again, you've already mentioned a bit of this, how you found out yeah. that you that you have ADHD and what it what it looks like, particularly as an entrepreneur. What what does it look like to live mm. with that as an entrepreneur? Yeah, and I, I, I'll just before I drill into that, I'll, I'll just touch on one thing. Anyone who's listening to this who either thinks they might be ADHD or someone in their life is go and look up the Huberman podcast ADHD episode. He does a wonderful breakdown and I only heard it recently and I've, you know, you can imagine I've read so much because neuroscience is my, my kind of area. I've read so much about it, but I still picked up new things, even little when he was describing what it's like being around an ADHD person. He said, you'll notice they always have piles of things on their desk. And I burst out laughing and, and, and and mentioned that to my (laughs) uh, fiance who burst out laughing as well. She's like, yeah, I can just see you everywhere you've been because these little little piles behind you. (laughs) Um, Oh, thank you. I love Huberman Lab. I haven't listened to that episode. So I'm going to go and listen to that after, after this, because I love his podcast. It's yeah, it's a fantastic podcast, and that that one is really quite quite fascinating. Um, I think even if you haven't got ADHD, because a lot of this relates to concentration, and he drills into this issue that um, you know because our brains are plastic, it's a lot of people posited the idea that we're creating ADHD in modern society, right, by looking at TikTok and mm. and you know and um, Instagram and these things all day we're yeah. losing the ability to, to concentrate. And certainly I'm seeing more and more people displaying some of those traits. I don't know if it's quite the same thing, but it's certainly similar. Anyway, in terms of, and there's see one of the traits of ADHD is that I'll keep jumping around between subjects <laughs> and going off into the bits that, that, that interest me rather than answering the question. But the, to, to, to try and answer the question and how it's impacted me in my work and how I found out yeah. about it, so the way, you know, the, the, the manifestation that you would notice if you came and watched me working apart from being a bit, you know, sort of untidy is that I will tend to have a hundred plus tabs open in my browser. Um, and I will be jumping around between things a lot of the time. Um, and that is, that is the thing that's kind of seen as as a disability, I guess, when you're in school and you're in, you know, you've got 45 minute periods, an ADHD kid is really going to struggle to uh, stay focused on that one subject. And if something catches their attention, they'll just want to drill down into that thing immediately. And uh, often that means they'll just go off and be dreamy or something in a, in a classroom, or they'll be hyperactive if they're prone to that and run around. Where, where that's affected me, I wouldn't say it's been an an entirely negative experience for me. Um, yeah. The fact that what I what my company does now is is really really complicated, and it's this complicated it's this sort of intersection between psychology, neuroscience, and technology, is all driven by that kind of multimodal interest that I have that I'm that I am jumping around and looking at all these different things. And and for me, what's happened is I think I have an ability to see patterns between different things and see how the, how they come together. And that's kind of what's formed Cogniz. Now, the challenge is it's really hard getting things done sometimes, particularly the particularly the boring things. And, and, and this is one of the reasons that ADHD, there is a lot of data around ADHD and dyslexic people and the two things often go together. Um, yeah a lot of them are entrepreneurs. And I think part of the reason is it allows you to build a system around you where other people 
can compensate for your weaknesses and you can con concentrate on your strengths. So for me in building a team, it's very much about yeah. having people around me who are good at the things that I'm not and who will do a lot of the structure stuff for me um, while I can concentrate on the things that I love, which is one, the human sort of leadership side of it and two, the, yeah. the creative side of it. You know, you still have to find a way to get a bit of, bit of discipline in your life. And I'm, you know, I guess constantly trying new ways to get better at that. And and you, you kind of learn workarounds as I think all neuroatypical people end up with these kind of yes. ways of fitting in and, and, and finding things that work for them. The reason that I, you know, no one picked it up with me when I was younger and the reason that for many, many ADHD people, particularly ADHD women, it's not picked up is because they don't display the hyperactive side of um, the thing. And because it's called ADHD now, mm. we all kind of assume that, oh, you've got to be that kid who can't sit still in class or is running around all the time. And actually nearly yes. half of ADHD people don't display that trait. They might be internally hyperactive sometimes, but they're not um, fitting into that cliche. So it always used to be the boy, mostly in school, who couldn't stay in his chair. Um, for me, I, as I learned more and more about psychology and neuroscience, I would think all the time, well, I have so many traits of an ADHD person, but I'm not ADHD because I'm not hyperactive. And it was literally only because I then watched a documentary about undiagnosed ADHD in adulthood and all of these people saying I went undiagnosed because I wasn't <laughs> hyperactive and then they were describing their lives and I thought wow that's that's my life that's totally my life and then um, you know you have uh, the, the American Psych Psychiatric Association uh, produces something called the DSM they're on DSM-5 now so that's the official test uh, official book of tests for all these different psychological and psychiatric conditions and I went and did the test and I was you know right up the top of the score for being ADHD um, oh. which was you know in a way a, 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 quite a in a way it's quite a relief because you then start to understand yes. other ways that that's impacting your life you know people with ADHD often have issues with depression and things like that and it's not that they're mm. naturally depressive it's because they're not dealing with the ADHD so um, you know knowing that and then learning about it and accepting it and working out how I make my way in the world in the most effective way given this is how I'm wired um, has yeah. been you know a very liberating experience for me yeah, thank you for sharing that. I I've found a similar uh, I've had a similar experience, but with anxiety, where I right. uh, when I initially um, started, uh, I guess feeling like um, I was overwhelmed. It it only it only happened for me where with anxiety, where it got to the point where I felt like I didn't have control over it anymore. I felt like I was losing control, particularly panic attacks, where you uh, literally lose um you know you you lose control where your body is is reacting completely irrationally and you're going what the heck is happening um yeah. and then for me finding out and and it's funny because it took me a while i had a real personally i had a i had a uh, a stigma against medication for mental health and probably right. against mental health even though i wouldn't have said that and so i i initially i remember when when i had one role where i actually had to finish up because for me, that was a season where I found out I had anxiety. 
I even said when we were sort of doing some, um, because uh, we had, it was all these different meetings where I had to tell different people. It was just really horrible when I was feeling so anxious. But I even said, no, 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 don't use the word anxiety. Call it overwhelm. <laughs> and it wasn't until right. probably 18 months after that where I finally came to terms with that. But for me, it was such a relief because like you said, it was like I went, ah, oh, okay, so it's not, I, I guess it's... um it's not normal to have my mind racing all the time like this. That was the big thing for me with anxiety and medication has mm. been the biggest help uh, um, for me because it actually serotonin, the calm chemical that has been now I'm used to it. But I remember when I first actually started experiencing more normal levels of serotonin and I was just like, <laughs> Oh, it's, it's actually, I feel calm. This is new. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much of a relief that diagnosis can be, even though it can be a bit of a journey. Absolutely, and you know, my, nearly all of these conditions have a chemical basis. Um, ADHD is essentially dopamine not firing strongly enough across across the receptors, which is why uh oh. the medications that, that they give people and i'm not on medication with the adhd but that is is basically like mild amphetamine um that makes that firing yes. happen more strongly so that the dopamine makes it to the receptor um and so for adhd kids that's why you'll often see they they, they give them amphetamine they become calmer because their uh, brain is functioning yes. correctly but but then there's that side effect usually around serotonin levels and and that's why adhd people tend to either develop anxiety or depression certainly i you know mm -hmm. when i was younger i had a i had a couple of depressive episodes and the second time I felt that coming on, which was, um, you know, when things were challenging and going wrong in the business, I, the second time I, I had the guts to go and get help and I went straight mm. on to medication and it was life changing for me. So I would say to anyone, you know, <laughs> don't be afraid of that. But my, my, my experience is very similar to yours that uh, when I was younger and I experienced that, I, I in fact didn't talk to anyone about it. Um, yeah. You know, I had that. I don't think it was a sense of, I don't know if it was a sense of shame, but it was just uh, an unwillingness to face up to it. Um, and, you know, I guess around social stigma. Uh, but the second time when I felt it happening, I thought, well, it was when we were just one, it was just before we kind of launched into the Cognus business coming out of a, a business that this evolved out of. And yeah. I just thought, you know, I've got too much, too much exciting going on <laughs> in my life to let yeah. mental health get in the way. And I'm going to see everyone I can as quickly as I can and get on top of this. And luckily I was able to get on top of it, you know, sort of straight away and, um, you know, started a journey that really changed my life for the better in, in many, many ways. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. And and hopefully this conversation is helping some leaders who probably thought leadership conversation, Cognis, great. What strategy am I going to learn? Maybe they're going, oh, go and get some <laughs> look, look after your mental health. I mean, mental look, health. it's, yeah. Look, we look. We all know in the entrepreneurial community that it's a huge issue, right? Um, anxiety yes. and depression uh, and burnout are endemic, and um, you know I think people have just got to be. You got to be on the front foot. You just got. You, you, if you sense that you're even heading towards that direction, what harm is there? Yeah. Go and talk to to the right professionals. Get that help because everything else is so much easier. 
I agree. One thing you said that uh, I I loved was that one of the I, I guess one of the ways you've you see yourself coping when you first were starting businesses and you see others maybe as well is with ADHD is you build a team around you so that you can focus mm. on your strengths perhaps because some of those weaknesses around discipline and, and um, structure systems you, you know you actually come to terms with it at, at an because you uh, may struggle in some of those areas where you actually go you know what if I'm going to be successful I'm going to have to find a way to do this. And I just have not found a solution myself. The thing I love about that is that's actually a wonderful leadership uh, practice and principle, even though you're talking about it almost being uh, accidental in some ways. Mm. So I want to ask you about that because there'll be leaders listening who know they need to let go of more things and need to build yeah. a great team around them and a great system around them. What's worked? What 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 advice would you give around how to really build a an awesome system around you that leverages your strengths but really finds people way better than you in the areas where that aren't your strengths that where you're weak yeah it's 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 an ongoing i guess journey i mean the whole thing about building a business and building teams is i think you never completely master it but you just get better with it better at it over time um for me, it's firstly about you have to be completely honest with yourself. Um, what are you good at? What are you not good at? Uh, what are, what are the what are the things that you know you might be able to struggle your way through, but your life would be so much easier if you had someone else picking up those things and you could concentrate on the things that you're good at. And in our business, we very much look at the a kind the mat, matrix of what are the skills that we need for the whole company to run and to be successful and we don't worry much about traditional job titles or structure um, i think especially at the moment when recruitment is so difficult if you get too hung up on tight job descriptions and trying to find people who, who match those tight job descriptions um, you know you're going to be very lucky to to find them, particularly if you're in a startup and you can't pay huge amounts of money. So I think what you've got to do is look at what all those discrete skills are that you need across the organization. Look at the people that you've got, who's good at what, and then cast a wide net. So for us, you know, at the moment we're going through some growth and having to advertise for people. And we actually run multiple ads that are skewed in different ways just to see who comes through because you want to find people who, uh, in our case, we're looking for people who are very motivated by what we do. They have to care about the outcome that we're trying to drive and, and want to be part of that. They have to have no ego and be willing to do that, you know, just muck in and do the things that need to be done. But at the same time, you're trying to identify, well, what are those, what strengths do these people have that might fill in some of those holes on the, on the matrix? So a lot of the time you end up employing people that mm. you wouldn't have thought about employing before yep. they came to you, but you see them and you realize, wow, this person's really smart. They've got a lot to offer this team. Um, adding, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to add this person into the team and, yeah, and a way to get the most out of them. At the same time, you know, yeah, absolutely, you've got to be thinking about crossing off those things that you don't want to be doing yourself and or are not good at doing yourself. Um, I'm still doing that, right? There's there's a few things I would like other people to pick up 
and we're just not big enough yet as a company to do that. Um, but every time someone comes yes. into the company who's able to pick up some of those things that I'm not good at or another team member is doing that they're not perhaps the best person to be doing those things, you see an immediate step up. It's it's yeah. it's just like the whole team steps up when that happens. Um, so that's what I'm looking for all the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. What I love about uh, how you just unpacked that is you're talking about hiring humble people, no ego. Yes. And that's... the reason that's so important in the spectrum of everything you just mentioned is a humble person who doesn't have ego can sit at the table with you and have a transparent discussion in a team where you say, okay, here's that sort of the e-myth revisited or the e-myth book where you mm. sort of map out the, the roles, particularly in a startup. These are the, all the different hats that this group of us were going to have to wear. And you can, someone like that who's humble but really smart and effective in their strengths can actually engage in a conversation with you where you say, okay, well, someone needs to do this role, even if it's temporary. And that sort of person will go, um, yeah, you know what? That's probably not where I'm at my best, but I can do that for, for a season. Mm. And um, I, I love uh, Patrick Lencioni, one of his books, he talks about a company that, that developed a core value of humility, but they actually talked about it as willing to sweep floors. And <laughs> I love that picture. You just, you just want to find people who go, yeah, you know what? If I like, even if I'm the, even if I'm in the C-suite of an organization, but at a particular day in a particular event, I need to sweep the floors. That's fine. And for me, I, I you know, I'm, I'm hesitant because I don't want to oversimplify it, but there is some truth to that idea, isn't it? Where it's just, you hire amazing people, the sort of people that a couple of tests that I love is that idea of would, would I have wanted you around when we founded the company? Like, could you have been a co-founder? Yeah. Um, and the other one that someone mentioned on the podcast that I thought was so funny is if I run into you on a Saturday, will I avoid you? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love that idea that like you want to hire people where you think if I ran into them at the shops on a Saturday, I want to hire yeah. people where I go. I've worked with them all all week, but I'm actually going to seek them out to be like, hey, hello again. How are you going? How's your weekend? You know, and they're just they're just little filters. But if you hire amazing people mm -hmm. and then find something for them to do and find a way to make it work. I feel like that's a way better system than trying to break down the organization into little boxes and then find the perfect person to fit that yes. box. That's so you need very deep pockets to do that, to do the latter way, right? If you're going to find people who are going to be the right people for your company and fit into the box, then you know, you you're going to be relying on cash to win those people over and even if I had the cash, I don't want to be relying on that because you're not going to build the culture that you want in the organization. Well, depending what the culture, I'm assuming, you know, not the culture I want to have in my organization, <laughs> I should say. No. It's really interesting that you just use that word humble because we were doing some values work last week mm. and that was the word that we came up with. Um, when we have someone come into the business and sometimes you'll get, you know, often very bright young people who are high performers, but suffer from what psychologists call the Dunning-Kruger effect. So this thing that they don't know what they don't know. And so they imagine mm -hmm. themselves to have a, hot, a lot li higher level of expertise than they actually do. Those people can be really, really dangerous. And um, yeah. 
you know, potentially without, with the best intentions, they can cause enormous destruction either internally to the culture or externally with your customers. And, you know, I've been through that, you know, a few times, one time quite recently, because it's, it's a, it's a really tough juggling act that you want to find people who are, who are really smart and driven, but you do want them to bring that humility. And it's so funny. I hadn't heard about that, that book before or the, um, the sweeping the floors, but I often say to people in, in job interviews, well, if the toilets are dirty, I go clean the toilets. You know, that's the yeah. truth of the matter, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't tell someone else to go and do it. If I see, if I see something like that needs to be done, just do it. And, 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 you know, in a team of, we're currently a team of 15 people that's small enough that everyone has to think like that. And people either, you know, either do or they don't. And if, you know, there's been a few times recently going through the employment process where, uh, to step back a bit, we take a long time to hire people because we really want to understand their values um, and how they're going to work with the team, not just from our perspective, but from their perspective too. I don't want to talk someone into a job just because they're smart and capable if they're not going to be happy doing what we do and being part of the way that we do it. Um, and in that process, sometimes you have you meet people who are really smart and who really excite you and you, you think, wow, this person could be great on the team. But as you get to know them, if they start talking uh, about things like their job title, if they're really concerned about their job title or about how they're going to be perceived by other members of the team, that's an immediate red flag for me. Um, and it is about humility, right? And yeah, it's funny, yeah. you know, I was talking about, we were talking before about that thing that when you're young, it's a good idea to go and work for other people and learn from them. And I would say probably, you know, when I was in my late teens or 20s, you know, I was, I must have, I'm sure I came across as being pretty arrogant um, without meaning to be. Uh, again, because <laughs> it's that Dunning-Kruger effect. I didn't know what I didn't know. And the irony yeah. is now, 30 years in business and I know there's so much I don't know, right? Uh, every day for me is a learning experience. And so yeah. having a natural appreciation of that, it actually makes life so much more exciting, I think. You don't get bored, right? If you know that you don't know oh, everything yeah. and that you can learn from the people around you, uh, I think life's much more rewarding. Yeah, it's funny because even this podcast, which I... You know, the reason to start this podcast, uh, the reason for the idea to be valid was I, you know, I love the idea of some people publish New York Best Times selling books, sure, but a lot of other leaders that they're on the front line doing amazing work and it's great for people to be able to feel like they can pull up a chair and, and listen in. But also the other part of it, you know, to be transparent is to also um, have create content, which this is my favorite way to create content. And, uh, and I love it so much, create content around leadership where I can talk about leadership. But it's funny because even doing this, I've been probably surprised, even though I knew coming in that I was going to learn a lot, it's been 10 times more. Uh, yeah. It's become the most amazing learning journey for me because I feel like every person uh, who, who talks about something, particularly because I'm positioned, it's set up so that I ask questions and I actually, you know, I shut up and I listen. 
I feel like I'm learning more than anyone else from doing the podcast. <laughs> and um, which is funny because what do I do every day is I, you know, help other people with leadership, but I feel like I just learned so yeah. much. And yeah, you're right. It's also learning that, okay, that one way that, I, that I've always believed to do that, suddenly I go, well, maybe there's two ways. Maybe there's 10 mm. ways, or maybe there's actually completely different ways that are better or different that I don't know about yet. And, um, but there was definitely a point where for me, I discovered the one way and you go, oh, wow, this works. This must be it. And then I remember walking around a little bit like that going, why doesn't everyone else do it? Like, like do it the right way. (laughs) And then, um, that for me has been something that's, I feel like has slowly broken down and, um, but it's been one of the best things for me. I feel like I've learned so much more from say doing this podcast, from having that openness and going, well, what if the way this person does it is actually better or different and I can learn something from mm. it? Um, it's been really it's been really rewarding from that perspective. I, I can imagine. I mean, it's interesting. We've Our company is planning to uh, launch our own podcast, um, really talking about the things, the sort of tangential things that interest us around what we do, which is around the role of technology in how the brain works and and, and how um, human achievement works but then also looking at the ethics and and things around that and then just in thinking about the people that um, I want to get on that podcast it's it's kind of the same thing I'm just thinking this is huge opportunity to yeah. get a deeper dialogue on a lot of things that interest us and um, get uh, views from people who have much deeper expertise than, than than we do so i think as a medium it's it's fantastic well you know what's crazy i mean just to like i said the whole feel of this podcast is like we're sitting around a coffee table so um you know to <laughs> to share this with with people for me when i was trying to create content say last year for clarity which primarily would be blogs videos i have my other podcast the john o white leadership podcast leadership question of the day which is um, you know, me creating content, which, which I'm passionate about. And, but I realized the other week I created more content in a week by doing this conversation interview style with great leaders than I did, than I did last year. And isn't that crazy in one week, because of the style of this content that I'm able to take an amazing leader in, in a, and I love chatting with, you know, people leading a school in New Zealand with 20 staff someone leading a global mm. organization with 30,000 staff in Canada, whoever, wherever people are, whatever they're doing. Um, it's uh, so it, for those wanting to create content, that's this style is, and I feel like I felt like straight away after my first 10 episodes, I thought this is better. This is the best content I've ever created, which is funny because uh, for me, I'm comparing it with me talking and I just go, you know what? I like to think that I put a lot of work in and hopefully it really adds value, but these conversations are even better. It's just the the content we get into and the ideas that people come out with and then being able to really drill down into why they do it is um, it's so much easier to create. And I feel like it's way higher value than um, than just at least just what I what I do when I'm doing it on my own. Yeah, I'm sure the two things kind of play into each other and add value to each other as well. Uh, I mean, I think that opportunity, <laughs> we're, we're living in a brilliant time in terms of that opportunity to to be able to delve into the minds of 
all different types of people around the around the world. Um, you know, one of the great strengths in my business is that we've got an incredibly diverse workforce. I remember back at a Christmas party last year, I think it was 13 people on the team at that time. And we worked out, we came from 10 different countries and wow, just having all of those different life experiences in the room, finding people who are really good at working together, but, but came from such different backgrounds, I think has, um, really strengthen the business. But just touching on that humility thing again, I was just thinking about this as you were talking about that, your experience of, of, of talking to other leaders. So our business evolved out of an agency called Two and Two, and Two and Two was uh, basically a, a bespoke developer of digital solutions around complex behavior change um, or complex educational needs health a little bit um and you know we would build these things big budget projects for people on a bespoke basis and they would be you know often year plus contracts doing these jobs and one of the challenges i always had with that business and that was a, a lot larger business in terms of the team was having really smart people on my team getting them to work with clients and then trying to get them to be humble and how they worked with the clients and we actually and I actually uh was it was probably my fault I think in the early days that we we really built a brand that was about being the the high end in our space we were the you know the ultra high performance uh company we weren't cheap but we won more awards around the world for this type of work than anyone else and we did these you know fantastically successful projects and in building up the sort of pride around that what happened was my team kind of developed a kind of arrogance in how they worked with the worked with their clients or they lost that humility so i would get this complaint a lot of the time from my team that oh the client won't listen to us you know we're trying to tell them what they need to do and they're telling us no you've got to do something a particular way and you know, generally I was always trying to support my team, but I learned after a couple of years that generally when the client told you, no, it needs to be a, in a different, you need to approach this problem in a different way. It's because they know something that you don't know. And they perhaps don't articulate that well to you, <laughs> but they know their audience and they know their subject matter. And to start from a point of view of pushing something because it's best practice. Whenever I, whenever I hear someone now say, we want to do this because this is best practice, I always start questioning it. Best practice, but in what scenario and with what um, other factors and variables in there. Um, yeah. So, so the team that I have now is in, I've got a few core people that came from that team. Who, who went through that whole, you know, decade plus when they're doing that type of work, but then a much more diverse team generally and a whole different attitude as to how we think about the, the types of problems that we're solving. And it is always coming from a place of as much as we know and as good as we believe mm. our product is and we believe it's fantastic, there's a whole lot more that we don't know. And we want to learn from our customers as well as the external experts all, all of the time. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And I think anyone in any role, even with leading your own people, um, it's great to think like that and to actually, one thing that I've really learned is, um, and there's a great book on it for consultants, which is by Patrick Lencioni, who, who I've mentioned and probably mentioned nearly every episode. I love his work. 
Um, it's <laughs> called Getting Naked, which is a hilarious uh, title. But it's about as consultants how what what people really want is they want you to um, just get in and help and not and, and just to be transparent. Don't have any ulterior motive. Don't be afraid to charge you know, for value. And, mm. um, but if you just get in and tell people what you really think and just, even if like he talks about running conference, like helping someone to run a conference and just doing whatever was required to help them. And then there was one part of it that really, uh, that really sucked for some reason. And he and his team decided in that moment to sort of take the hit and, and just for the leader they were working with to say, oh, we're the consultants doing this. We so we this was our fault, and and he talks about that in the book about how much that moment of actually going, you know what, our 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 only priority right now is to help this client, and so if we need to take take a bullet in front of all of their, you know, in in this conference to help them, then we'll do it, and that led to this amazing long term relationship because mm-hmm. the client knew. It wasn't about them saving face or reputation. Their whole goal was get in and help and just whatever I, whatever we can do, even if you want to do things a bit different to how we normally do it, you know, we, we can. And so that I feel like that approach is so powerful. And the sort of people that like that approach, I don't know if you've found this with your business, Leon, but <laughs> as you work the way you do, you also start attracting great people who, yep. who will actually actually be better to work with and probably give you more trust to do best practice. Whereas if you, if you try to, uh, if you're focused on some of those other things, I feel like sometimes you attract those nightmare clients who say one thing, but then never follow through. And so by being more authentic to that, maybe you actually attract a better type of client as well. You absolutely do. And it is about authenticity. I mean, I don't, I tend to shy away from management speak, but uh, the one bit of management speak that we do use in our organisation is radical transparency, um, both internally and externally. So when there's a when a customer is trying to do something, a customer or a client is trying to do something that is challenging or it's cutting edge or there's something that's um, you know really difficult about what they're trying to achieve it's not going to be a smooth journey. And if you're open with your client or your customer about that and partner, you know, really partner with them in a true sense so that you're on the journey together, it's just a different experience. You know, we came out of that kind of agency world and I think um, marketing agencies have the hardest time because of the the culture between brands and marketing agencies is generally that the the brand sort of yells what it wants and the agency says yes sir (laughs) and tips their hat and we'll do it by five o'clock friday even (laughs) when it's totally unreasonable and as a result they make life hell for themselves and everyone's unhappy at the end of it um we have we, we built our product we by bootstrapping so we literally sold the idea of the product and got our customers to pay for the development of it, pay for different functions that they wanted, which we put through a lens of how does this help the platform overall. And that means that we've had customers who've come on a journey with us in terms of trying to do some things that you know are really very progressive and cutting edge. And because they know they're on that journey with us, and they're sharing the pain with us. If we have some problems, if we hit some technical issues, it's very rare that I have someone calling me and complaining to me. 
they tend to be very patient and they see it as an investment on their part and on our part that we get this thing right. And that's been critical to us getting to the point where now we have a very mature, sophisticated platform that we can scale. We couldn't have got here if we had just raised a little bit of money and tried to build a platform to do what Cognos does and just take it to market. Yeah. It's, we've mm. only been able to build it through five years of partnering with people who are using it in the real world and seeing what works and what doesn't work and going on that journey together and everyone being very open with each other, very transparent, very patient with each other. And it pays off well. You know, if something takes a bit longer or, you know, doesn't go quite how you intended it, if the end outcome is as good or better than what was intended, people forget about the pain very quickly. Um, and you just have a different type of type of relationship. Um, and so I'm very thankful, actually. We, we, I don't think we could have got Cognos to the stage that we're in now if we hadn't had those sorts of customers who who were willing to come on that journey with us. But it also speaks to the culture of the team, my team or our team, and that they've engaged with customers in such a way that they've been comfortable to come on that journey with us. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, that's such a great way to build a business by actually, it's almost like you've, you've, you've built the, uh, the business uh, and factored into the process of building it, the actual um, vital uh, market research of how do, how do people actually use this, that so often not having that information is the thing that really, um, that really uh, cripples a, a product or service. Yeah, I think absolutely. And for us, we're, you know, we're creating a category. You know, we, we, we came up with this phrase, human transformation technology, a couple of years ago, and other people have picked up on that, which has been very gratifying. But there was really no name, like there were, there were products that fell into this space, but no one had named the space or really sort of defined what that category is. And category definition is, is really, really difficult. I think if you're doing a product that is... Uh, a disruptive product, just disrupting a, 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 an existing business process, you can probably rely on market research to get you 70 or 80% of the way. But when you're defining a new category, the people who want to buy your product don't even quite, they don't understand what's possible. I mean, most of our customers were not looking for a product. They didn't know that there could be a product that did this. They were looking for some kind of bespoke service. And they would find us usually through our old brand and then would say, hey, we've built a platform. You can you can actually do this yourself on, on this platform. Um, and I don't know how we could have got to where we are now if we'd just done a whole lot of market research five years ago and then tried to build something. It would have been completely wrong. That's, why, that's the only thing I'm sure of. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible, um, and uh, really appreciate you sharing that story. I'm I'm aware of the time. What I would love to do is uh, invite you back for another uh, episode down the track, Leon, because I, I haven't gotten to the Leadership Express uh, questions, but I might yep. leave everyone in anticipation for those, and because we've just <laughs> had so much fun um, chatting about other things, so uh, let's um, yeah, I'll invite you back for another episode, and maybe we can chat about some different things and go through those questions together. That would be fantastic. This has been um, great fun, Johnny. For those who really want to find out more about Cognos and uh, maybe also find you online, where can they do that? Yeah, so Cognos.com is the website or follow on Twitter, Cognos HQ. 
Um, I'm I'm just Brilliant. reinvigorating my own my own personal Twitter, which is Leon underscore C underscore Young. It's been dead for a few years, but I'm that's one of the things I'm committing to in the next couple of months is getting that active again. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Check out Leon's uh, Twitter feed, which will be ramping up. Um, no pressure. Uh, no, that's that's great. Uh, well, thank you to our listeners. This has been just a, a wonderful and enjoyable episode. And uh, I've loved the focus on mental health, which I think is so important for leaders and, and entrepreneurs, managers, executives, and really people, uh, full stop. It's, it's such an important thing yep. to understand better. Um, for our listeners, don't forget, as I mentioned, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day podcast uh, available for you if you want to find more content to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Leon. Uh, thanks so much again for sharing so vulnerably, for walking uh, walking the talk around um, being radically uh, transparent because you really did that in how you shared today. And I know this will help a lot of people. So thank you so much for coming on and chatting. I hope so. Th- thank you for the opportunity, John. It, it was a lot of fun and I look forward to talking again. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review 
and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White, or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.